Hello, and welcome back to the Hardcore Sobriety Podcast with me, Logan Hardcore, or when I'm not in drag, Logan Slaughter. And this is the podcast based around all conversation regarding any sort of recovery. Mine happens to be drugs and alcohol. And today I am joined by someone who I literally fell in love with watching them on their season of RuPaul's Drag Race Canada. And when their storyline had addiction in it and recovery, I was like, here we go. So please welcome Miss Kendall Gender. Hello, hello, hi. Hi, darling. Do you want to like introduce, I don't know your boy name or your pronouns, however you want to do this. Absolutely. So my name is Kendall Gender, obviously, as you said, out of drag, my name is Kenneth Wise. Um, So out of drag, he, him, and then in drag, she, her, they, them also work. Uh, I'm pretty, I'm pretty fluid. It's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Gender's a construct, babe. It's it's really and like I feel like I'm so good at understanding everything else in the world and I make it a point to not sound uneducated about it, but this for some reason I really struggle. And I think it's because I'm so used to calling just everyone girl that like I'm totally. t- terrified that I'm going to say it to the wrong person. So now everyone's yeah, just I act- doll. <laughs> that actually happened to me recently, like within the last maybe like year or two. Um, because like you, obviously in the drag community, I refer to a lot of people in female pronouns. Um, and I was doing it just sort of like conversationally and someone called me out and they were like, hey, like I know that we're both in drag right now, but I really like would prefer if you didn't use female pronouns on me. And I was like, oh my God, like no problem. Like I totally understand, uh, and that's sort of how we—that's how we learn, right? Is like yeah. getting those call-out moments. Um, yeah, that's kind of how you grow. It's insane. I um I own an organizing business, and I went to do—I think it was my first client actually—and I went to their apartment, and they had um a friend over. And they were like, I'm going to go out, shut the door behind you. And I was like, all right, you dolls have a great time. Like, or I think I said, you girls, you girls have a great time. Just Mm -hmm. it's how I speak. And they were like, I go by they, them. And it was like short and pointed. And I was like, got it. I'll never forget it. (laughs) Totally. But it's, but really it's one of those things. Right. And then that's probably stuck with you. And it was the same thing that happened to me a few years ago. And ever since then, I like, I have a totally different perspective on it. Yeah, um, conversationally. And, I, and it's important because it's, totally. you know, it is evolving. And I think a lot of people, you know, my father lives with me and my husband because he's has stage four cancer and, you know, he's doing wonderful. But like for someone like him who grew up in Arizona and is country bumpkin, like all of this for him, I always try to be like, first of all, you have a gay son who does drag, who surrounds you with queer people, trans, non-binary then you're, I'm an alcoholic and a drug addict, and now I'm telling you to call people they. Like, he must be like, what the fuck goes on? <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. But it's, you know, it's ever growing, and it's, you Absolutely. know, I try to be as good about it as I can, especially doing this podcast, because I just had someone on, my friend Marty, who in New York ran for state or for local government, and is gender fluid and they, them. And I made it a point when I interviewed them to be like, let me get this right. Mm-hmm. So I just always like to be respectful of that. Absolutely. So, so you were just on season two of Canada's Drag Race, which... I was. I, and what... I mean, what an experience. I love Brooklyn. I've known her for a long time before she was even on her season of Drag Race. So like, I think this is a phenomenal 
career moment for her. Um, oh my God, absolutely. She is an icon. She is the moment. Now, come on now. Okay, she's now the come reason. On now. <laughs> yeah, she, um, she's actually the reason that we have Drag Race in Canada. She, is it, was, like, yeah. Did she, she push it? Yeah, she pushed it like through through the network. And she was like, you know, it was I guess it was just sort of like a makeshift idea a few years ago. And she was like, we should have Drag Race in Canada. Uh, and then she really made it happen. And obviously she is the queen of the north. So she uh, she gets her done. Yes. I mean, I think when it got announced and I remember it being announced and then they announced it was her. I think everyone was collectively just like, wait, there's going to yeah. be another queen hosting a franchise of Drag Race. Like yeah. RuPaul won't even let been- it. She won't even let another would, queen on the panel. <laughs> yeah, I'm just trying to think. Would, would that have been the first franchise that broke off with a queen hosting? I believe it was. Or no, I, maybe maybe I have Thailand. to say it. I don't. Oh, Thailand, yes. Because Thai, Thailand yeah. was like right. Thailand, I have a really hard time with the ones with subtitles because my ADD does not allow me to focus on reading it, watching yeah. it, and like... I'm such a Drag Race fan that I really want to enjoy it. So I have a hard time. Um, But I will say, I loved the first season of Canada, but the second season was really kicked things into second gear for me. (laughs) Yeah, we, uh, we, uh, we kind of felt that when we arrived, too. Like, the first, you know, few days of everything, we were like, whoa, this is a really serious cast and this is a really stacked season mm-hmm. and like the challenges were really intense and everything it just felt very like like elevated of sorts and it was I was really 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 cool to be a part of it yeah no I mean I remember when the trailer dropped um I've done reviews on YouTube for a really long time um I used to do them with my friend Maddox he passed away um and when we were doing it, it was season like three of US and we were the first like YouTubers he had a really popular YouTube page and when he passed away, I stopped doing it. And then I picked it back up a little later after I spoke to his family. And his mom was like, I think he would want you to do it. Um, and I mm. actually just yesterday or the day before, Oceana <laughs> commented on something I said. And I was like, girl, <laughs> I wasn't, didn't mean to get you all ruffled up. I think I compared her situation to Roxy being left at a bus stop. And, you know, it wasn't great, but. I, I, how do you feel about people online with like Bussy Queen and all of us who do reviews and judge you and not have walked in your shoes as being a contestant on the show? So I think that I, I'll give you, a, I'll give you a two part answer. One, I think that reviews and and the all of those kind of things on YouTube and Instagram and TikTok, all that kind of stuff. I think it's so flattering and it's so amazing. And it's a really cool way for people to be engaged with the show. And I think that it it makes the show more popular. And it's sort of it's part of the culture. Now I will speak for myself personally. I don't uh, watch or engage or read any of that stuff simply because I worry about myself then valuing the Mm. opinion of others more than the opinion of myself, good or bad. Because let's say there's, you know, nine good things that a reviewer said, and there's that one bad one. It's human nature to stick that, to stick that bad thing with you. And I said that me and my partner, actually me and my partner, right when I got cast, we literally sat down and we said, okay, the rules for this entire process is don't watch the reviews and don't read the comments. Yeah. 
because it is it, it can be good, but it can also be very, very, very toxic. Um, yeah, I think I mean, the fandom can be intense at times terrifying. Um, and that's something that I've terrifying sometimes. Yeah. And that's something that I've tried to keep with me throughout this entire process, just because I feel like it's, uh, it's helped keep me sane a bit. I think that's really, really smart of you to do. Um, I was throughout the U S casting process. I've had a few close brushes with it um, of the U S franchise. And I was very close to getting on big brother and I remember mm. something me and my husband spoke about was I take everything very seriously. Like if I'm going to yeah. do something, I'm going to do it. And then I know myself, I would say I'm not going to read it. And then I'm going to find myself in the bathroom at one in the morning, like scrolling for my life. And yeah. I try to take in those knowing that when I do review things. And at the end of the day, people know my shtick to be like, I, I, Bianca Del Rio is my best friend. We live together. Like, mm. I just come from that. That's who yeah. brought me up in drag. So, like, I just talk shit. And I say it frequently because how serious do you take anything I say as someone who hasn't been on the show, who sits on YouTube and reads people? Like, it's a give or take. But then I think of it as now when I got, because I got sober over Zoom. And I think about if I had gotten on these shows and seen what people, how these fandoms are what that could have done to my addictions because yeah. I drank and did drugs purely to numb anything that was not fantasy and wonderful. So yeah. I think I always say there was a reason I didn't get on. And I think the blessing in disguise is that it probably would have led to a really dark place for me in my addictions. Yeah. And I, and I, I can totally understand that. I think that sort of, sometimes people have a disconnect with the fact that you were on a television show. They sometimes don't really feel like you, I don't know, deserve the same kind of level of respect as others. Like people will, will straight up just like comment something extremely mean on your post, maybe because you're on a TV show, maybe they think you'll never see it. Mm -hmm. I don't know, but I think it's very important to remember that like, you know, there's, there's people like us that, that did struggle with, with yeah. addiction issues. And, and there's lots of people on the show that struggle with a variety of different mental health issues like these things you know what i mean like <laughs> at the end of the day we are we're performers so there's a whole array we're, of stuff yep. that comes with that and validation and and all of that kind of stuff and i think it's very important to remember that like at the end of the day yes we are performers or, or on a television show but like we're still people yeah did you guys have to do a psych evaluation we did yeah because I feel like everyone on both seasons of Canada is, like, pretty mentally sound. There's no one that I worry is going to spin out of control. M meanwhile, when I watch U.S., like, even going back, I knew Mimi when she got on her season. And when she came back, mm -hmm. I was like, oh, girl. Like, she was running around telling everyone that there was this master elimination list. And she was set up by production. And I remember just being like, you are insane. Mm. and like yeah, I you will, see I how will, bad I, it is now still with her yeah i will say like at least uh from my experience on this show there's a lot of support when it comes to mental health and uh you know uh, uh like with the producers and and there's like a team of people that really want to make sure and even after the show they want to check in you know what i mean and you know after the the placement and all that kind of stuff you have constant check-ins with people um so they really do want to make sure that you're uh you're safe and sound Oh, that's, um, I think that's great to hear because I know just from knowing Bianca and I lived with her 
when she left and like was we were very close when her season aired like so much has changed since then you know and like I feel like there was a time where I felt I could say whatever the fuck I wanted to because I was like I know the ins and outs of this I know what goes on there and then you I sit back and realize like that was 10 years ago this has evolved this is a completely different beast and the fandom is a completely different beast than it used to be um and with that, I want to say, like, what I remember you came on and you started talking about your your recovery. Um, do you want to explain, like, how long you've been in recovery, what it was from, and kind of how has this level of being boosted in the public eye been a struggle for you in your recovery? Totally, yeah. So I have uh, been sober since 2015. I am completely 100% sober now with no relapses, uh, yes. thankfully, God willing. Uh, I am sober from hard drugs and alcohol, which were my vices you. back in the day. Uh, obviously, <laughs> I can use vice very lightly because it was a, a huge uh, sort of exploding issue in my life, of course. Um, I, with sharing the recovery on the show and just sharing the recovery in general, it's always actually been quite therapeutic for me. I really like being able to talk about recovery with people and being able to share it because I feel like, you know, a few, even a few years Mm -hmm. ago when I first got sober, I really didn't know a lot of sober people and I really didn't even see sobriety or, you know, addiction as something that was like really talked about or, or put into the forefront of conversations. So throughout my sobriety, like I have always wanted to talk about it. And I've always like, even on, you know, having a smaller platform many years ago of like one or 2000 people, I still made videos and I still would like make posts about it and want to talk about it just because it really helped me um, one, stay true to my recovery and two, kind of feel like all of the horrible things that I went through with my drug addiction um, were somehow worth it because like I could then open up the conversation for someone else that's struggling. Yeah. I, it's very good for me to hear someone that also isn't ashamed to speak about it. I'm very vocal about it. Um, I made a career off of being a party girl and being the person that people knew was going to be drunk and high and have the party and know where the drugs are. And it's shocking to me the amount of people that are like, shh, now that I'm talking about sobriety. They don't want to hear it. I actually had someone email me today and say that I am putting my prior customers and servers off because of how much that I'm basically saying don't go to bars and I'm like how am I saying that when I work in bars and I promote to come see me like Mm -hmm. it's really wild it's I didn't realize what a hot button issue it was until I got sober and I completely understand why there's a large group of people in recovery that don't want to talk about it because it doesn't it either sits with people or they're like well just because you can't doesn't mean that I can't. Yeah, I think for for me as well and and I'm sure that you can relate to this. Once I started talking about sobriety even before I got sober, like I remember going to my first meeting like maybe 2 years before I got sober and I said it out loud that like I was a drug addict. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I said that out loud, it sort of then became this different beast because then I was no longer just a drug user. I was a drug addict Mm -hmm. using drugs. Yep. 
and it became this different thing. And then every time that I still went out for, for years after admitting that, it, it was this completely different thing. And it like, it almost made it like, it made it seem possible like there would be a recovery at the end, but it's still very difficult. So I think for people that are, have a hard time using that language, it's because maybe they're not ready to start discussing that it could be a possibility for them. Yeah, and I think people also, like I remember, I've known for years, I really, I met my husband in 2012 and it was probably 2012, 2013 when I was like, oh, you can't get this shit together. Like you can't slow down. Mm. Um, and I started reaching out to friends I knew that were sober and I was like, can you help me? Or no, I, a friend needs to know where to go to an AA meeting. And yeah. then like, I didn't do anything with it. But I always knew there was an end game for me if I didn't die. And I drove drunk enough that I should have died. Um, but the language, the word alcoholic turns people in such a way because of how it's always been portrayed as someone that lives under a bridge and it's, wakes up and drinks. And like, that's yeah. just not the truth. There are so many different versions of drug addicts and alcoholic that like, people don't realize in these rooms are like wall street people. And like, yeah, you know, I was in a meeting last night and one of my friends that was on drag race was like, can you get me to a gay, like a sober gay meeting? And I was like, yes. And like, you see people when they, cause I got sober on zoom. So like, I didn't know the experience of the rooms. I got sober mm -hmm. mid pandemic, um, bottomed out and was like, there's no time, but now like, you're yeah. literally locked in your house. Um, so I guess I had to explain to people when I said the word alcoholic. They were like, we never knew. We didn't know that you were an alcoholic. And I was like, because you think what you've seen in a movie is what went on with me. And it just isn't. Yeah. And I think, like, even when we were talking about the terms for pronouns earlier, it's just mm -hmm. something, the word alcoholic has such a negative image attached to it that I think it scares yeah. people who are in need of some help to even think about it. And I think, yeah. And I think it's also important to recognize that an addict can be different variations mm -hmm. as well. You know, like I will say that near the, near the end of my uh, addiction, I was using drugs every day, but prior to that, I wasn't like, let's go back maybe, you know, nine months prior to that or eight months prior to that. It was, it was once or twice a week, a year prior to that. Maybe it was once every couple weeks uh -huh. and, and, and so on and so forth. And I think that it, it's important to remember that, that the levels of addiction can come in different forms. Yes. I think it's when you feel as if your substance use, whatever that is, spirals out of control and i think a lot of people just think oh well i'm not an addict or i'm not i'm not an alcoholic because i don't drink or use drugs every 24 day. 7 that's exactly or 24 7 and it's and it's very important to remember that those two things are not always um synonymous especially in our community because the gay community yeah. is built upon partying literally gay bars yeah. and partying like people have to remember yeah. Because I do have quite a large straight audience that listens to this, just that are fans of drag and have met me through one of the 90 avenues I've been on. But, um, you know, we started out as a community that had to hide. Yeah. And now it, there's this like 
when I, I'm so passionate about recovery in the gay community because it's scary how much the community is built upon bars, circuit parties, and addiction that yeah. does not get discussed because yeah. it's almost built into us to become addicts. Yeah. Well, someone who identifies within the queer or LGBTQ2SIA plus community is actually more uh, like it's it's more recognizable or they're like it's they have a higher um, what's the word I'm looking for a higher chance. Excuse me. They have a higher chance of developing addiction problems than someone who identifies as heterosexual. It's, I like read and I read stuff about it. It's it's crazy. It, it is crazy. And, you know, I come from a bar world where I mean, I've worked in bars and nightclubs for 15 years. I worked on Fire Island at the same establishment for 13 years. And me getting sober has pushed people's buttons because I literally am talking about the fact that I was on an island where it was normalized getting up at 10 and drinking until four in the morning and doing drugs all day to even it out. And pulling that curtain back is scaring the shit out of people. And, yeah. you know, people are getting it. I get it. I understand that you don't want to talk about it, but we can't talk about one side of this without talking about the other. And it, yeah. And I think it's I know. And it, I think it's so important. And like I try to try to be a, a beacon of this to an extent is that like these spaces that like we feel safe in and we want to occupy it's okay to not use drugs and alcohol if you choose to and still feel comfortable and welcomed mm -hmm. in those space you know what it, spaces you know what i mean like i obviously work in clubs every all the time just like you and i it's so nice when people come up to me and they're like hey like I knew you were going to be here tonight and I don't want to drink because I have work tomorrow or whatever the situation is. And I feel safe and comfortable here. And I wanted to come. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's just like, it's, it's cool that they can just be spaces and not just wrapped up in, uh, in usage. It is. And I think with pop culture between, you know, I'll say gay pop culture, like between mm -hmm. drag race and, the girls we know that have come from Drag Race that either started sober or who have gotten sober after the process with Housewives. One of the reasons I got sober was one of the Housewives. Um, I mm. During my rock bottom, I saw her season premiere and the whole episode was about her alcoholism. And now she's a good friend of mine and we do events together. Like, yeah. full circle moment. But, like, I yeah. feel like these stories are being told, which means they're being heard and I, maybe it's just because I'm so new, you know, a year and a half into this um, world. But it seems like the pendulum is swinging to where sobriety is almost like it's not looked upon the way that it used to be. I feel like it's no. talked about more and people are more willing to maybe hold the mirror up to themselves and talk about their problems if they have them. Yeah. And it's so, yeah, I mean, it's, I, I feel so fortunate that I was even able to share my story on such a big platform like Drag Race um, and be very clear about exactly what I was going through and exactly how it affected me because it's been so incredible, like the outreach that I've gotten from people. Like I get yeah. messages constantly, people being like, hey, when I'm feeling like using, I watch your episode where you talk about it because it makes me feel like I can go on. And it's yeah. like, it's a, it's, it's, it gives me like chills just, just, just speaking on it. 
Well, and it should because I think, like I said, we come from a place where it, it's such a layered thing for queer artists who are mm-hmm. addicts. Because one, being gay, you feel like you have to hide. Two, when mm-hmm. we started doing drag, it wasn't cool. We were the freaks in the bar before Drag Race that the gays were like, oh, great, here they come. No fats, no <laughs> femmes. Like, no one wanted to hang out with the drag queens. And then you have an addiction on that that you have to hide. It, it's heavy. And yeah. I think for you to be on such a large platform and World of Wonder to not be afraid to highlight the topic is a really beautiful thing. Like, I mean, it's, I say it to my friend that was a housewife. I say all the time, you're the reason I'm sober. Like, you have to remember, you are going to be the reason that someone is sober now. And that's a really beautiful thing. Um, And, you know, people are like, oh, drag race. It's just a silly thing. But there are these moments that come from it that are life changing. Yeah. You're going to make me cry. Oh, well, (laughs) please, please don't take anything I say that's serious. Ask your friend Oceana. Uh (laughs) (laughs) No, but it it just it is. It's just really special when you think about it. And it kind of just puts in perspective, like kind of wrapping back to what we were talking about before just with like yeah there's a lot of like bs that comes with uh with with uh being a public figure or being on the show but it's like this is the real stuff this is why Mm -hmm. i want to do what i do you know and it's uh it's just really cool it's very special it's insane when i go back and think about when i auditioned like i was auditioning like four five four through eight and then like ten eleven Mm -hmm. and i remember being like i want to win so i can take my voice for the Trevor project. And I was just saying such shit and I had no actual purpose of why I would want to do it. And now like actually thinking like, you got to try again, girl, girl, it's not worth it. I have a real job that that has (laughs) with a retirement plan. I'm married. I own my house. I own my car. I'm good. I see how much you don't want to, you don't want to put yourself into unsurpassable debt. I first Making of all costumes. What I, do you mean? I think one, I would be, I would be broke. I would be divorced. There's no way we would have survived it. We talk about it frequently. We wouldn't have survived it. Just the pure fact that, like, how I partied, touring with that would have, yeah, no, I would have. <laughs> it wouldn't have been a great situation for me at home. So. I mean, the the franchise would be would be lucky to have you if that's ever something. That oh, girl, you are, you are too kind. Did now I know you you aired during pandemic here. What is it like in Canada? Are you able to tour? Are you able to? So, it's sort of a a funny experience. So basically, when we filmed, we were like right in the pandemic. So like mm-hmm. when I was in the airport, girl, there was like like three people in the entire airport and it was like it was crazy like there was nobody there um so and we quarantined for like three weeks before we filmed uh it was like just yeah so it was it was really like the height of it and then we wrapped filming and then throughout the entire airing process we were actually able to tour so from september to december we were able to tour so i went from like like Victoria 
to all the way to Newfoundland, which is like coast to coast of Canada. Yeah. And we went to like tons of cities. I was very, very, very fortunate. Some of the events were definitely smaller, of course. Uh, but they were they were still events. And, you know, whether they were at theaters or clubs, it was just depending on the capacity of the city. Now, the actual finale of Drag Race, literally in December, the day or se- or like two days after, um, basically the rest of the, the country went back into like a pretty intense lockdown. Oh, my so, God. I don't know. It like I'm I'm thinking that it was like the, the the universe's beautiful way of giving us this chance to be able to actually like experience the show like a like a drag a race full girl. Season, yeah. um, the full season. So I was very, very, very fortunate. Um but as of right now we are in a we are in another lockdown of sorts where there's no like big events or there's no like big sort of things like that. I think there's still club shows going on, but they're at a very small capacity. Um, but honestly, right now I'm, I'm taking a break. I'm like, I'm so happy with what happened uh, being able to do all these shows, but like Good. I'm kind of taking it as a blessing in disguise. Like I'm taking, I'm taking a little bit of time off. Well, and as people who have struggled with addiction, it probably is, you know, I can't, for me, imagine getting on a public platform, getting that exposure, and then being on a tour life. Like, some of these girls I know that literally I'm like, bye, I'll see you in a year and a half. Like, has the show and the tour life, when you were touring, is any of that challenging for you in your recovery? Or are you pretty grounded? Like, I haven't had any thoughts of relapse myself or you know, really temptation with it. I think I was at a point where I really was like, I'm over this, but I knew I had a problem. Um, is there like temptation when you're out on the road or? For me personally, no, just because it's been a number of years where I have gotten very grounded into my sobriety. Uh, I've never, yeah, like I've never relapsed. I haven't, I haven't gone back and I haven't, it has not been challenging at all. Also, like the touring aspect of it. I think for me, I I love the work that I do, but it's also a, it's a job. So I treat it as if I'm going to work and my Mm -hmm. like office is the nightclub. Um, And, and yeah, so I, I've been very, I've been very fortunate Um, for me personally. Like when I, when I first got sober, I did a lot of, you know, soul searching. I did a lot of like one-on-one therapy where I went for like, you know, constantly through absolutely everything that happened in my life and, and what led me to this place. Mm-hmm. And I really got to my, my trauma and my, you know, trigger point, if you will. And once I personally started working through that stuff, it sort of alleviated the need for escapism. So once I really dealt with like why I was escaping through drugs and alcohol, I, no longer felt as if I needed to cloud my life or, or run away from, from the trauma. Yeah, no, that every single thing you just said was like, got it, got it, got it. Yeah. Especially like treating work like a job now, because for me, for Mm. many years, it wasn't a job. It was my reason to go get free drugs and alcohol and get paid so I could buy more drugs and alcohol. And now I treat it literally like a theater performance. I get to the bar before Mm -hmm. any of the audience. I'm backstage. You will not see me until I come out. And now with everything going on again here, you're not going to see me afterwards. The curtain's going to close and I'm going to disappear. And (laughs) that's just for me how it has to be right now. And maybe it'll get to a point where I can socialize and, 
you know, my I was at dinner with a friend the other night at their house and he was like, so I'm not like I realize I can't call you and be like, do you want to go hang out in a bar anymore? And I'm like, no, like maybe ask me if I want to go to dinner. And like, yeah, if, if we're going to a Broadway show or something and you want to go, there's a group of us and I'm the only sober one. I'm OK going to a bar for a drink or two, but I'm not going to make my night revolve around a bar again like there's just for me right now i can't deal with that and i think there was a lot of trauma for me in going from somewhere where i lived where being gay was like i was ostracized and then i moved here overnight and it was like going from like the wizard of oz i went from like a farm to oz (laughs) and all of a sudden it was completely accepted and there was all of this shit everywhere and i was almost just i think i was so afraid of meeting people that were gay and being judged by them that i just immediately went into drinking and drugs and hiding behind that so yeah i always kind of say that like when i was using drugs and doing drag it sort of was like a mask for my bad behavior because it's so easy for people to be like oh my god that queen is so funny what a crazy party girl Uh and you can like almost you almost fall into this like alternate reality because you're wearing a costume oh yeah you know i mean i was full-blown doing cocaine on stage in the at like the middle of my like not even the height of my addiction like the beginning of it i would do whitney houston numbers and stand on stage doing cocaine and people thought it was fake and i was like yeah it's (laughs) not and like the amount i talked about doing drugs in my show it's i it's amazing the things we get away with because of the costume yeah and like that's getting away with like things we say things we do it's as much as it's been a blessing for me, drag was also a <laughs> a curse because I wouldn't have gotten away with half this shit had I not been in a wig. Yeah. But think about it now because obviously you've been doing drag for a while and you, you love it. So now in sobriety doing drag, you really get to like appreciate it more than probably ever. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Because Absolutely. you're not you're not clouded and you're not and also your your drag persona is not only identified with drugs and alcohol it's just your artistry and like what you love to do yeah um and i think that that's the coolest thing about sobriety because like i mean for me my entire personality for so many years from probably like 14 or 15 it was like being the party boy and you know what i mean like getting wrapped up in in bad stuff so it's been cool in sobriety i sort of think of it as like a second chapter of my life because i get to really find out who i am and what i like Yeah, it's been weird because a lot of people... It's weird to say, like, I'm learning who I am because Mm -hmm. I really was convinced I knew who I was. And, like, I I can say this because you've been on the show and you know the process. Like, doing those tapes and being like, I'm not different in and out of drag. Like, when I look back on the shit I said, like, if someone has a half of an ounce of sense, they realize it's all bullshit for me. Because I am completely different than everything I presented. I'm an introvert. I could never leave my house again. (laughs) Like. Yeah. And I was presenting as this like extrovert party girl who loves people and loves being around people. And while some of that's true, it is absolutely not the level that I talked myself into believing that it was. 
Yeah, and I feel like with uh, I mean with the with the audition process or with Drag Race, I always say to people if you are auditioning treat the audition process like you're just talking to one person so mm -hmm. like talk to them it's if it's your best friend in your video and like don't try to be anything other than who you are with your best friend and if you can if you can do that and you can genuinely give that to the person i even did it with my partner so the whole audition process my partner was right behind the, the camera the, um, the camera asking me all the questions and my partner is my best friend yeah we did so that we... one year and i was that was probably one i thought it was my best audition but i think i was really trying to impress my husband <laughs> so <laughs> Which is a good thing i mean we like set it up like it was the it was like the books in the background with an apple on top and i was like my name is logan it was when i it's cringeworthy to watch um <laughs> And I guess in the Drag Race app, like, world, so now there's UK versus the world. Um, Ooh, I know. What, like, first of all, my mind is like, how did they choose it's going to be UK versus the world? And the other part of me is, like, ecstatic that we're finally, hopefully, going to get to see all of these different branches of Drag Race come together. Because yeah. there is... Such immense talent between all of them mm -hmm. that I think it would be phenomenal to put them together. And I'm hoping that you will be a part of this at some point. Who knows? I have no I have no idea and no plans as of right now. Would you go would you go back? Would you go back if the drag race franchise asked you? I would. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. How could you how could you, how could you not? I don't know. I like, I love the show. I'm a huge fan of the show and I love the franchise. And like, also who the hell is going to say no to RuPaul? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Scarlet and, and it's just like, <laughs> I mean, oh, fair enough. I just think, I don't know. I always think that like, like with, with drag race, it's such a learning experience. Um, and it's so cool when you watch all stars and people have like learned so much about yeah. drag from like traveling and, and working with different designers and, and learning different skills and all this kind of stuff. It's so cool to see them come back. Um, and like, I mean, my drag grew exponentially from the first day in the workroom to the last day or, or to today. You know what I mean? Like I was, you were you, there the whole span of it. I was. You were there yes. the whole and it's season. Like, yeah, every every episode. Yeah. Well, that's good. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, and if I you um, if you like, if you did Drag Race and you didn't learn anything or like grow from it, then maybe you did it wrong. You know and what I, I mean? Like, it's literally, it's it's cool. I feel like there are girls that go in there that are like, I know who I am. This is what I'm doing, and you're gonna tell me your opinion, and I'm not changing. And those yep. are the girls that you see once. And you yeah. don't see them again because, you know, there's parts of Drag Race and, um, you know, what it preaches that I'm not always 100% on board with the realness of it, of how much these mm -hmm. people that say things believe. But there is such a thing of like, I truly believe on your guys' franchise, especially because it's like Brooke and, you know... Brooke wants the best for everyone. She's going to literally try to tell yeah. you things to help you. Um, and Absolutely. I think to be able to go in and take it in is a very, tells a lot about who you are as a person. 
especially like, you know, you said you learned from the minute you walked in. I think that says a lot about yeah. who you are as a person. Which and is, I just think that like, I, I mean, like, you know, obviously a lot of, a, a lot of the times in the show I was getting like, you know, they were reading me for like my outfits or, or, or X, Y, and Z, whatever. But it was never like, uh, yeah, obviously you it, it affects you but it never like broke or shattered me because i was like you know what like these are these are things that like they're giving me critiques because they want me to be better or they want me to yeah. get better it's not like they're attacking me as a human being brooke was never like you're a bad person and like <laughs> you suck and like you should never do drag again because you make everyone feel horrible about themselves you know what i mean like that's not but you know what i mean like it was never it was never that it was like, you're basic, and I want you to look I better. want more. <laughs> I want more. You totally. know what I mean? And it's like, that's okay. And like, that's, I don't know. And I think, I think that that, the show taught me that a lot, is that it's like, it's, uh, they want, they're giving you these critiques because they want you to be the best version of yourself. Could you imagine someone giving you those critiques in active addiction? <laughs> Oh my God! I know, I know. You definitely have to. You have to have a a, a strong uh, a strong sense uh, going on that show. Oh my you're really God! Really putting it out there. I literally yeah. think like I used to have a hard time with people saying anything about me. So I think about yeah. the fact that like, you know, going through the steps, I'm like, I've really had to backtrack and be like, wow, you really did have a lot of part in all of this. Of course. <laughs> Which is well, that's. Well, that's the thing, right? I feel like with, you know, with so many things in life, sometimes it's hard when things go wrong to not automatically put the blame on someone or something else. Mm -hmm. It's very, very, very simple to do that. You know what I mean? Well, like, oh, you know, I was an addict because someone or something did that. And it's very hard to put the blame on. No, you know, I am an addict or I led myself down this path. And these these are the outcomes. And uh, yeah, it's a it's a it's a skill that like I still even even struggle with now with a lot of things. It's hard to not outsource your your blame or your pain. Yes, that's a very smart thing to say to not outsource. Yes, I've never like actually, you know, we hear a lot of the same stuff. I don't know if you're in a program, but in AA, we hear a lot of the same shit over and over. So when you hear something new, it's like, oh, Oh, I enjoyed that. So I will say, like, why don't we end it with if you had something to say to anyone out there that may think to themselves after a horrible night out and they wake up and they're hungover and they're like, geez, I wonder if there's something I should change. Do you have any advice you would give someone in this current space about addiction? Yeah, I think... I think the most important thing to remember is that there's always someone who will listen if you're willing to communicate about it. And that might not necessarily be your family or your best friend or your coworker. It could be, you know, someone on Zoom or or someone that was on Drag Race. Who knows who that person is for you, but like someone will listen and someone wants to would want to talk to you about it and I think that once you're ready to talk about it and once you're willing to be like hey you know maybe I am struggling or maybe I might have an an addiction issue that is the first step towards Mm -hmm. uh you know recovery or or a better a better life I just I'm such a believer in in communication um Mm -hmm. because I I just spent so many years and so long keeping it to myself and hiding 
you know, like hiding at home or hiding in my addiction. And as soon as I started talking about it, it, it was almost like a, I don't know, a, a petal or a, a rose blooming. Yeah. You know? It sort of slowly started to open up. 100%. The minute I, like, it, it's like you said, the minute I went into a room and said, hi, I'm Logan, I'm an alcoholic. I remember being yeah. like, oh, this is real. Yeah. It's out there yeah. now. And now it's time to understand what that means and figure out what's next. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you taking time to sit in your beautiful Ivy Park jacket and come on <laughs> as I'm literally sitting in the dark. I forgot that it gets dark outside early now. But thank you so much yeah. for coming on and having this conversation. You. Can you tell everyone where they can find you online? Absolutely. On basically every social platform, I'm at Kendall Gender. You can find me, stalk me, double tap me. Yes. And it's Kendall Jenner. <laughs> my husband, when he saw this in our calendar, was like, oh my God, you got Kendall Jenner for your podcast? <laughs> Sorry to disappoint you. I him. was like, I actually have to tell you I'm more excited to talk to Kendall Jenner. <laughs> Thank you the so much. The confusion happens all the time. Oh my God, I'm sure. All right, hold on. Let me end this.